Section 2 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 10, October 1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Mark Dykeshorn in October 2022. Tides of Chesapeake Bay by Edie Preston, U.S. Coast and Geodetic Survey. A successful attempt to fix a permanent tidal plane for the Chesapeake Bay has recently been made by the U.S. Coast and Geodetic Survey. During the last fiscal year, nearly 40 stations were occupied, at 13 of which we are in possession of simultaneous tidal observations extending over one complete lunation. The application of harmonic analysis to this unique series along our seaboard will open the way for correct predictions from the Capes to Harve de Grace and will also result in the establishment for the whole bay of a plane of reference of unequaled permanence and undoubted accuracy. The establishment of an invariable datum plane is one of the first requisites of inshore hydrography. The accuracy with which reference levels should be determined depends, of course, on the nature of the work based upon it. In foreign surveys, vast sums have been expended in maintaining tide measuring instruments in the North Sea, along the coasts of France, and in the Mediterranean Sea. These have been connected, wherever possible, in efforts to compare the sea level at different ports around Europe. France and Spain occupy favorable positions in work of this kind, since by comparatively short lines, without leaving their own territory, they may connect the mean sea levels of the Atlantic and the inland waters east of Gibraltar. How important the determination of heights is regarded abroad may be judged from the fact that up to 1895, the date of the last published report of the International Geodetic Association, more than 122,000 kilometers of precise leveling had been done in continental Europe, and nearly 99,000 permanent benchmarks had been established. This work has had its greatest development in Germany, Austria, and France, in the order named. The average tide for the entire bay is about one foot, possibly less. For Old Point Comfort, we have two and one-half feet, for the mouth of the Potomac, one foot. For Washington, three feet. Richmond, three feet. Elk River, at the head of the bay, two feet. And Annapolis, less than one foot. The wind effect, however, is sometimes more than the total tide. For example, at Baltimore, the wind effect may amount to three feet, while the tide proper, uninfluenced by local disturbances, is only one-third as much. This diminution in the height of the tides as we come northward from the entrance and the subsequent increase as we continue on in the same direction is one of the peculiar features of the tidal phenomena of the bay. The small range at Annapolis is due partly to the change in width of the bay, but principally to the fact that there is an interference at this point between the incoming and outgoing tidal waves. When the crest of the southbound movement reaches the mouth of the Severn River, it meets the northbound wave from the Capes, and a partial neutralization of the vertical motion of the water takes place. Another interesting point in connection with the subject is that the rate of progress of the tidal wave from the mouth of the Potomac to Washington is somewhat less than that of an ordinary steamer, so that a vessel requiring the greatest depth possible would be able to enjoy the condition of high water during its entire passage up the river. The fact was first brought out by Mr. C. A. Schott many years ago, when the Great Eastern, of transatlantic cable fame, availed itself of this favorable circumstance and came to anchor within a few miles of the capital. End of section 2